G Money. Yo. How you doing, man? Cooler, man. That was a loud G Money. Yeah. How's everything? Appreciate that, man. You know, I was seeing that in the comments sometimes. G Money, I'd be like, yo, I try to respond to some of them. Well, we, we that goes back into early 2007, 2006. Well, it was a little different, though. G Money. I'm back. Yeah. Yeah. So we always, I always called your name. Well, you, you had you had a you had a that, that was your little thing that was a little trick that you did. You told me afterwards. Yeah. Why you did that after? Oh you man. Remember, I remember. Yeah. Okay. Wanna, yeah. And Prince Pretty, our man Rail shot the rail. He had the, the, the get him going record. He shot me out at the end of the song. At the end of the song, and you was like, I'm putting it in the beginning of the song. You tried to be slick. You thought you was slick, huh? Gee, how you gonna say that, G? You told me the guy. You thought you thought you was slick. You go, oh, I'm gonna put Genie in the beginning of the song. So he playing all the lifey music. I'm gonna make sure my song get played. You know what I'm saying? Shout the rap. You know, I used to go to school with him. No, I didn't go to school with him. I go to school with rap. I think I went to school with rap. Shout out to rap. Shout out to rap, man. Baisley, right? Yeah. Baisley wrote Team yeah. New Money. Team New Money. Shout out to shout out to him. How you doing? How's everything, man? Cool, man. Getting ready. You know, going going to Jamaica on Friday. So Jamaica. Montego what, Bay. What are you, you doing know? in Jamaica? Why you looking at me for? Yeah, you. You know, I thought about the other day. I, I, uh -oh. You know, I, I, I'm in the mode. I go. thought about that face you made to me, that Here little sassiness <laughs> you gave me the other day. It's been on my mind. I said, next time I see you, I, 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 my job is to make everything as much as. Uh, I'm gonna chill. <laughs> you lucky bass. As much uncomfortable as you can, right? Yeah, That's yeah, what you want to say. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. You okay? How you doing, Tati Tuesdays? You look nice. How's the songwriting coming along? Why are you watching him for? <laughs> Don't you write songs? All right, but I know how his is coming. How are you coming? Your version. Your version. <laughs> good job. Okay. You okay, G? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm great. I'm excited for this guest today. You know. I am excited. I'm a little tired, man. Uh, long weekend. Um, flipped the network. How was that? The cast came out. You know. I couldn't make it. Uh, it's okay, was, was she there? Was she ready to battle? No, she wasn't there. No, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I um. I put about like 12 to 15 people in a mansion in Jersey. Mm -hmm. um, it was a different experience, but wonderful at the same time. I just got back this morning, 12 this afternoon actually, and came straight here to work. It's right. grind mode. It's time. Yeah. It's but time. G Money! Yo. <laughs> it's a. Too early. It's a. It's a. It's a. No, I can't give it away that early. Episode two, <laughs> one, eight. Yeah, we whoa, made it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can't say that. Gotta say yeah. Yeah. Come on, G. Let's go back. One time. G Money. Yo. <laughs> Episode two, one, eight. Yeah, we made it. <laughs> we got a special guest. The remix. The remix. He's a legend. Facts. Now, a lot of y'all don't know this, but this man mm. is the creator and the inventor of the electric slide. It's electric. He's also the creator and the inventor of the robot. Wow, well, that's what he said, and that's I believe what he him. Said. That's he, what he said. You know, he said, and um, he said for years, uh, people been doing it wrong. Mm. I saw the video too. Yeah, yeah, he, we, yeah, yeah he showed us how to do it. He said for years he's been they've been doing it wrong, but he's also responsible for iconic move in the community. In our community, and every community around the world. Facts. You know what I'm saying, and round of applause for my man, Rick Silver. Silver. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's up, my man? Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I told you we were gonna interview you, man. I told yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How you doing, Rick? Good. 
Pretty Ricky, like, what they call them. I, I like the boots. <laughs> I like the boots. I like the sweater. What like type of sweater. boots are those? Those are uh, snakeskin. Ooh. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> chill, G. Chill, G. <laughs> No, <laughs> pretty Ricky, what they call him. <laughs> yeah. So, so welcome to flip the script. You know, what I mean, we, we we're happy to have you, and you know, we, we're gonna go through a series of questions and just to get to know who you are, and you know, we go from there. All are right. You, you nervous? Nah. Mm. There we go. All right. First of all, I want to, you know, off the camera, we was talking about the sweater he got on. We said, we said so he had a he wearing a Kooji sweater. He was like, "What's that?" <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. Yeah. So when you leave here, in, in the comments, you're gonna probably see people saying, "I want you to just be like, yeah, it's a Kooji sweater. Don't worry about it." You know what I'm saying? All right. You know yeah. Biggie Smalls? Yeah. Yeah. He had, you know, he was, you know, he he made that little, you know, he put it in a song too. He made it a little popular. You know what I'm saying? So, you know what I'm saying? I think you should. So, you in good company. Biggie Smalls. That's, that's your guy, right? There we go. All right, so like Flip said, we're gonna ask you a series of questions. You know what I'm saying? Um, of course, we're gonna get to the the iconic electric slide and all this dance moves, but we want to know about you too. You know your history, where you come from, things like that. So we want to get to know a little bit of history about <coughs> Pretty Ricky, what, what I call him. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so where are you from, first of all? I was born in Westerly, Rhode Island, and grew up in Stonington, Connecticut. Okay. Which is right on the line between Connecticut. And Rhode Island. Right, right. Okay. And uh, my parents grew up in that area. My grandparents grew up in that area. Uh, the whole family's been there forever. Um, my dad's parents came over from the Azores, and my mom's parents are English. So I'm totally English and Portuguese. So Azores would be Portugal? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I never heard of Azores. The Azores are <coughs> islands in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean between Portugal and America. Mm. <coughs> so you're an island by? And sort of, sort of. Apparently, my great-grandmother's family were royalty on San Miguel Island. Hmm. And when I was in high school, my dad and his brothers got a letter from the Azores saying that there was land that had been left for my grandparents, and what should they do with it? And my dad said, divide it up amongst yourselves. I said, wait a minute. I might want to go there one day. <laughs> he said, too bad. <laughs> so, so your family... Um, your grandparents, your parents, all was in the Rhode Island area. Stonington, Connecticut. Sto Sto uh, Stonington, Connecticut. Stonington. Now, I didn't know that Rhode Island, Connecticut is connected. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's close. There's it's only a little, well, they call it a river, but it's really a stream mm. that separates Connecticut and Rhode Island. Really? So coming from New York, it's, it's Connecticut first, right? Then Rhode Island's either? Rhode Island's on the other end of Connecticut. Other end, Okay. Oh, so tell us about your childhood. You know, um, how was the household? What you know, mom and dad. What type of what type of parents? Mom and did you dad, have? me and my brother Charlie. Charlie. And Charlie just passed away. Yeah, my condolences. Yeah, Bassie was telling us. <clears> yeah. And uh, but we grew up. Dad um, was originally a carpenter, and my 
mom's father was uh, a taxi cab driver, and somehow they got into electricity, and grandpa went to work for uh, Connecticut Light and Power, and dad went to work for Narragansett Electric in Rhode Island. And he became district supervisor in charge of all generating stations for all of New England for New England Power. And he was in charge of going to make sure that uh, generators stayed online. And when we had that big blackout, you probably weren't even alive, um, Niagara Falls had a huge blackout. And it blacked out the whole eastern seaboard. And my dad was generator um, in Ashaway, took his power station offline when he saw it coming. And he let it pass. And then once it went by, he brought his power station back online and sent out the spark that brought everybody back online. What? Yeah. That your was dad my dad. Did that. My dad did that. So you had electricity in your body from early. Yeah. You trying to be funny? Like electric, electricity, electric side. This guy, from, from pull, the, pull, pull the mic a little closer to you, Rick. Pull the mic a little closer to you. There we go. Yes. All right. And put the bottle down, Rick, because when you do this in the mic, it's going to make the noise, man. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Squeeze on, to, squeeze on the chair or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pause. So say, say what to your dad, I ended up working for an electric company, correct? Yep. And there was a big blackout at Niagara Falls that caused a whole blackout. The whole eastern seaboard blacked out. The whole eastern seaboard. Now, what's considered the eastern seaboard? Uh, From Maine to Florida. Oh, wow. What? So he turned all that power back on? Yeah. But how? Did, well, I that, don't think it got to Florida. I think it got down to, like, Washington. Now, I'm not sure if, I'm not, I'm not sure if you know, but... How does someone like your dad know, like, they could see electricity coming? Like, how, how do they know when it's, like, on he the can way? See, he had a generator in his station. He had lights on a board that showed him what stations were working, and he saw the lights going off oh, coming towards him. Okay. And so he took his station offline and let that go by. Okay. And then once it was gone and everybody was dark, he brought his station back online and sent that the signal that brought everybody back on. I thought he was just that good, but he kind of like felt to like, all right. That's, no, 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 no. <laughs> that would have been cool. No, so he, he saw it, so he saw he saw was, it coming. Yeah, he saw it coming, that's so he why. just took his offline. Right. So it was a, it was a smart move, strategically. Yeah. You know what he I mean? was the only one that knew how to do that. That's amazing. Everybody else could have done it, but nobody did. Nobody thought of it at that time. Right. Um, wow. So tell us about mom. Mom worked at the Mystic Oral School. She was a house mother. She had wanted to be an athletic teacher, but she didn't have the degrees to, she just graduated high school and couldn't afford college, so she couldn't get to where she wanted to go. So instead she joined her girlfriends and went and uh, would be house mother to deaf children. And the Mystic Oral School was set up so that the students weren't supposed to learn sign language. They were supposed to learn to talk 
by listening and reading lips. And occasionally we would have kids come for holidays because some of the parents would drop their kids off in September and pick them up in June and then drop them at camp. So mom felt bad for some of the kids that had to stay at the school over holidays and so she'd bring them home. But she always taught us, don't learn their language. Don't learn how to sign. You have to learn, they have to learn to talk. So you can't learn their language. Well, my mother put this block in my head so I can't learn any language other than English. Because her in the back of my head's going, don't learn their language. Got it. And I nearly didn't graduate from high school because of it. Because in order to graduate from a college prep course, you have to have one year of a foreign language. Of course. And my high school only taught French and Latin. And I had the same teacher for four years in a row. Two years of Latin and two years of French, the same year <laughs> for all of them. And the fourth year, I walked into the class and I said, hello, Mr. Petrunt. And he said, Mr. Silver, you do realize you have to pass this class in order to graduate. And I looked at him square in the face and I said, and you do realize that there's no way in hell that I'm passing this class. So what do I do to get through? And he said, write me a paper every week on something French. I wrote about French horses and French cooking and French pastry and French fries and you name it. If it was French, I wrote a paper on it. And I finally graduated. <laughs> That's dope. So you found the way. You found the loophole. Yeah. But 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 let me ask you a question. In the were the were the the um, hearing impaired children able to learn how to speak by reading the lips, or was it possible, or they were just dreaming at the time? I think the school set up as a dream. Um, the premise was nice but uh they've progressed to the point uh, mystic oral school is no more so so i see what you're saying yeah yeah so <laughs> it was uh it should, got phased out yeah yeah because if it worked they would you know right yeah. it would have kept going yeah. but american sign language took over and deaf children go to the american sign language schools yes, now they do. yes yes so so growing up, it was you and, and Charlie. Yeah. Well, the rest in peace. And he uh, and and you guys were you guys close as children? You and, you and your brother. We were. Um, my mom. <clears throat> how do I say this? Knew I was gay the minute I was born, and didn't want me to be gay. So everything that I wanted to do. She put a block in my way and put me into a different path. When I was five, we were sitting watching the Ed Sullivan show. And I had left school and gone to my grandmother. She worked on the bridge between Westerly and Rhode, uh, Rhode Island and Stony, Connecticut. She was a butcher. And the meat market was right on the bridge over the river. 
And I used to walk from school down to her um, meat market and wait for her to get off work and then ride home with her because it was faster than taking the bus. And across the street was a ballet studio, and I used to go sit on the stairs and watch the kids at the bar. So one day, we were sitting watching TV, and I was five years old, and I said, Mom, can I take dance lessons? And she gave me this 20-minute spiel, and what I ended up hearing was, dancers are faggots, you should be a pianist like Liberace, who we were watching on TV. And even I knew at five years old that he was gay. <laughs> so to me, it didn't make any sense. But I said, okay, Ma, if that's what you want, I'll take the piano. I hated every minute of it. I had to sit for an hour a day and practice while my brother and my father sat in the TV room and laughed and had a great old time. And then from the piano, I went straight to my room to do my homework and then straight to bed because we were in bed by 7.30. Hmm. When I was 10, my mother said, we're going to get horses. She wanted a horse because her girlfriends rode. So they bought me a horse. Because I had to train my horse to let my mom ride it. That was okay, because while I was learning to ride, she was learning to ride. And at least I had something to do <laughs> to get away. So when I wasn't practicing the piano, I was riding my horse and going to 4-H. And that was my entire life, playing the piano, riding my horse, going to 4-H, and going to school, playing in band, Stealing time on the stage. <laughs> Having my principal come looking for me and sit in the back of the auditorium while I did a whole number. And then he'd clap and say, you're supposed to be in <laughs> class and send me. So your mom knew you was gay since she said that since you were born. Just about, yeah. Did she say this to you or you just... No, I... I knew Got that it. she knew. Got it. Because the stuff that you wanted to do as a right. child. Got Everything it. I wanted to do, she wanted me to do something else. I was hyper. She wanted me to sit and play the piano. What, when what? I wanted to move at the piano, she said, no. I had a classical pianist that only you had to sit there and do this. Only your arms and fingers move, not your body. What? Can you imagine trying to play the piano and being a dancer and not being able to move? I can't imagine that. But you weren't a dancer yet, though. But oh, but I was a dancer the minute I came out of the womb. Oh, My yeah. aunt tells me she used to babysit for me, and I would stand at the crib and bounce to the music. Got you. Got you. So... so so, <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Gee, stop. Pretty Ricky with the call. <laughs> what, 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 what did what did dad? What how did dad? How 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 was dad? Um, to what did dad knew, know you were gay as well? Mm -hmm. Oh, 
That was dad. Under mom's thumb. Whatever mom said, that's what dad did. Dad, even though he had a stroke at one point, and the doctors gave him seven more years to live, he realized from the stroke that he had wiped out 30 years of memory and couldn't remember that I was gay, that he had hated me, that he'd thrown me out, forgot all of that. And he comes to me and he said, you're going to hate me. I said, why? He said, your mother just told me she wants me to varnish that beautiful rocking chair that your great-grandmother left her mother to get to you. It went from great-grandma to grandma to mom to me, and mom had dad varnish it. Dad said, in 50 years, <laughs> you're going to hate me because this is going to be a tacky mess, and you're going to spend weeks cleaning it. Well, I did, <laughs> last year. That so, was one of the things during the pandemic that was really good because I had all that time to clean that chair. Clean it off. Did you sand it? Did you sand it? No, no, no. I bought these wipes at the store, the disinfectant wipes mm -hmm. that cleaned it like... The same rocking chair that your family left for you. Um, yeah. Cleaned it down to bare wood. Really? Yeah. I couldn't believe it. So, hold on. So... So dad was under mom's thumb. Yeah. But dad had a stroke and he didn't remember the fact. So that was so when dad knew you were gay, he was also not too pleased with that as well. Um when I was young, he wasn't pleased at all. In fact, I heard him tell my mother when I was like 7 years old That one's your son. I'll take the other one. Oh, wow. Hmm. What did that do to you as a kid? Like, how did you feel hearing that? How did you respond to hearing that? I already knew. Um, I was the You're comfortable before that. So. Were you comfortable in your skin at that, at that point, though? With, I was comfortable in my skin. Nobody was comfortable with me except my grandmother. Right. <laughs> what, year is it, what year was this? Like this. I graduated high school in '66. Okay, so this is like this is like the '50s. Yeah, Jeez. I so, was born in '48. So, so being gay in the '50s weren't accepted. No, my grandmother um, had a um, nephew, I think, that was gay, and my mom—it was my mom's cousin—and she never even spoke of him. Wow. Were there any, any of the kids in, the, in that area that, that were gay as well? Or was it just kind of like, as far as like your, any of your friends, anyone you, that you heard of that you knew at that time? No? So Nobody. You were like the, Nobody. Wow. I didn't even know that there were gay people other than me until I was 16 and went to New London when I was, finally got my driver's license and went to New London. So you have, you, you, came into this world 
with no knowledge of the word gay and no knowledge of that whole sexuality. So how, so how did you identify that that feeling? And, you know, like how did you know what that really was, what it meant? Um, it. Like someone had to tell you, like you know, because you, you didn't know. You, you probably felt how you felt, you know, as a as a right. child. You probably had certain feelings, or like you said, the, the ballerina thing. You saw that, but you probably didn't know really what that meant to be like gay person. Or, no, know, so I didn't know what gay meant. I mean, people in grade school called me Sally. Sally Silver. Mm. And I didn't know what they were talking about. Right. So you you were you were feminine when you were younger. Like you you, you moved Yeah. Not you, that I know of. But you were just yourself, basically. I was just me. Right. But I mean, I used to get on the bus and take a seat all the way at the back of the bus and the last girl to get on the bus before we got to the school was this girl, Adrian Sheldon, who was this big, huge, bull type type. <laughs> and she used to come and sit with me every day and beat the shit out of me in the 10 minutes that it took from her stop to the high school. Wow. And we had a class reunion about... To 15 years ago, I guess it was, and she showed up, and she goes, Rick Silver, Rick Silver, aren't you the one I beat up every day? I said, yeah. She said, how come you never hit me back? I said, because my dad said you don't hit girls. Oh. And she walked away. That's it? She, she, <laughs> she, she, didn't, she didn't apologize? She didn't, she didn't apologize? Like, nothing. Oh, no, nah, she's crazy. <laughs> she did that affect you, her beating you up every day? Or did it bother you at all, Rick? You know, I know bull, it's bullying. Um, I think back in the days, uh, bullying wasn't highlighted as much, even though a lot of it went on, as it is today. Yeah. You know, you know did that affect you at all as, as a child? Um, those, her beating you up every day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. Wow. Yeah. I didn't talk to anybody. I became self-sufficient. So, mom is aware of your sexuality. Dad is obviously aware. And they tried to put you, or mom tried to put you on a, a, on a let's say, straight path. Yep. Right. You know, we're going to respect the LBGTQ community. We don't. And then when she found out, well, when I got my driver's license, <clears throat> I started going places and 16, you got your meeting license, people. Right? And friends of mine were taking me to different places like Hartford and Providence and meeting gay people in different places. And I met, uh, we went to Providence and I met a um, kid from. Newport in the Navy and I got home and I was madly in love and I wrote him an 18 page letter detailing everything I'd ever done sexually Oh wow! and I put it in my underwear drawer because I hadn't finished it and my mother did laundry the next day and 
put my laundry away and found the letter and read the entire thing and called a psychiatrist and sent me to the psychiatrist that I had to pay half of. <laughs> I had to pay 25 bucks and she paid 25 bucks an hour. Uh, what, what, how old were you at this time? Uh, 17. Wow, that's wild. Really? Mm. So she called us, so you, okay, so. So they were trying to beat it out of me. They wanted to send me to one of those um, camps where they rehabilitate you. Don't they do the thing with the mind? Didn't they yeah. have a, a shock treatment, right? Yeah, so one like of those, the, oh. they were ready to send me there. <laughs> and I said, no, thank you. So they threw me out. So hold on. So They packed my bags, drove me to Hartford, and dropped me at the YMCA. Wait, said, hold on. hi, bye, have a nice life. Let me, let me let me ask you. Let me. Let's, uh, I want to be on the same page. So, when you were younger, Rick, did, did your parents beat you for being gay? Hit you at all, or you never got? Mm, um, not for being gay, no. Okay, but for not doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Okay. And when did you come out the closet, as they say? You know. Uh. Well, I was having sex with my next door neighbor when I was 14. Oh, Lord, Rick. Pretty Ricky, what they call <laughs> But he came to me. I was totally dumbfounded. I didn't know anything about sex. I didn't even know what it was. And here... My next-door neighbor, I mean, we grew up together. My brother and he and I were uh, three musketeers. You know, everywhere we went, the three of us were there. Mm -hmm. And so we went camping one time, and my brother falls asleep like a log the minute he put, hits the bed. And Ronnie and I were up for hours, and we'd go... There was a big quarry. We used to go swimming in the quarry naked, and then we'd get out and run around naked, and we'd jump in the sleeping bag because we were freezing cold, and all of a sudden, he started playing with me, and... Okay, went from there. Went from there. So that's the person that... So when your mother, your mother, when your, your mother found out it was by that letter, did you... No, my mother found out when he, my next-door neighbor and I were fooling around in the hayloft one day. She saw you guys? Yeah. Oh, no, she went crazy. What's the hayloft? The hayloft is in the barn. We had horses. Oh, hey. So hey. Hey. the horses are in the stalls, and the hayloft is upstairs, oh, yeah. and there's a hole, and you throw the hay down to the horse. I got you. So she caught you guys. She caught us in the hayloft, yeah. And then she got upset. Oh, yeah. She and we couldn't see each other anymore. Couldn't hang out with Ronnie anymore. But he was able to see my brother. Did she go to his parents? Yeah. Was it a big deal? Did they yeah. Make a big deal out of it? And they, they blamed me. Because I was the oldest. Mm-hmm. Did his parents feel the same way how, how your mom felt about 
Yeah. Yeah. So they, it was on the same page. Oh, yeah. They were all on the same page. So <clears throat> she finds the letter. She wants to send you the tra- shock treatment. Because I, I remember that. That's the stuff where they put the electric thing and they tried to shock you into becoming straight. Yeah. And you said no. Right. But you're 17 years old. Was your mom and dad still able to, because of the respect or the revere that you have for them, still able to tell you what to do even as a teenager? If she asked you to do something, you'll do it because it's your mom. Please. My mom was able to tell me what to do when I was three years ago before she died. (laughs) (laughs) That's still moms, right? That's still moms. And my father was the same way. I mean, at one point, I... um, moved to California, and I'd left my dog with my mom. And I said, it'll take me three or four months to get set up, and I'll call and send me the dog. Well, it took me six months to get set up, and when I called, my mom said, I'm not sending the dog. I'm keeping the dog. I'll breed her, and I'll send you a puppy. So she did. I don't know where she found a breeder. Luckily, it was halfway decent one. And she sent me a puppy. But the puppy that she sent me was the ugliest looking thing. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, Mother, what did you do? She said, oh, well, the woman told me this was the best one of the litter. I said, did you keep one for yourself? She said, yes. I said, send me that one. (laughs) She did, and that was the best one of the litter. Did <laughs> she slick, huh? Mom, mom, mom love. She's a slick, mm. she's a slick one. So, 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 but for you, so, so when she let's go back when she found the letter, they, why did they drop you at the YMCA? What was that about? Because of the song? No. Oh, um, just because. <laughs> see, today the YMCA is hardly even around anymore. That's but true. back in the. 60s, the YMCA was where you went when you were homeless or needed a hotel to stay at when you were just moving into town. And because I couldn't afford a hotel, they dropped me at the YMCA. Tell us about the car ride going there. How was it? Like, were you crying? Did you not want to go? No. Did you... Did you make your I was, mind up? I, wa- I knew that I was going at that point. Um, they had made it quite evident that I was not staying under their roof any longer. And I had said, okay. And they threw me out, and I walked into the YMCA and got a room. And within a week, I had a job. And within two months, I had an apartment, and never looked back. Did you um, work while you was living at mom and dad's? No. Never worked? Well, I I did. I had a um, part-time job when I was in high school. Got it. Uh, as a supermarket okay. bagger and clerk. Um, but other than that, I'd never been away from home other than um, I took a trip uh, my senior year to Illinois for two weeks with four 4-H kids 
two boys and two girls. We had an exchange program where four kids from New London County went to Illinois, and the following year, four kids from Illinois came to New London County. And I was selected as one of the boys that went, because the other guy that went was also gay. And we ended up staying at Niagara Falls overnight together in the room, which was cool. But <clears throat> that's another story. Um, <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, Rick. You see his face? So like, <laughs> come on, Rick. Keep your activities, man. Come on, Rick, man. What's wrong? Come on, Rick. You got a flashback. Let's, let's Niagara Falls, huh? Yeah. Um, when I got to the YMCA, I was so naive and immature. I'd never taken care of myself for one day in my life. Never been on my own for one day in my life. And all of a sudden, I'm on my own with no one, no support system at all. And it took me a couple of days just to pull myself together to leave the room. Um, but I managed... Um, luckily, I had been to the Hofbrau House in Hartford, which is a gay establishment. And it's right down the street, like a block and a half away from the YMCA. Mm -hmm. So I was able to go there, have breakfast, get a newspaper, look for the uh, want ads, and get a job. And I got a job at Hartford Hospital. And they put me in their mail aid program, and I graduated at the top of my class, and they put me in the female aid program, and I graduated at the top of that class. Okay. So they offered me a scholarship to become a doctor. When I turned that down, they offered me an RN and an LPN scholarships, and I said, no, I want to be a dancer. I'm only getting a job because I need to stay alive. Got it. <laughs> Wait, so... So I worked at Hartford Hospital for two years. Mm -hmm. I got caught dancing in a patient's room and fired. Um, I had gone dancing with some student nurses, and the next day they happened to be visiting one of my patients, and they were telling him what a great dancer I was, and he wouldn't leave his room until I danced for him. Mm. And I was on dining room duty, which meant I was <coughs> supposed to be out there cutting people's food up, making sure nobody was choking, and... I had to go to his room to find out why he hadn't come to the dining room. And he was on a strict INO policy where everything he ate or expelled had to be logged. So when he didn't show up to eat, that goes on my record. So I go to this room and the two nurses are telling him, oh, he's a great dancer, you should see him dance. And he, he says to me, I'm not going to the dining room until you dance. I said, I'm duty, you know, I'm on duty. I can't dance while I'm on duty. <clears throat> well, I'm not going to the dining room until you dance. So uh, it took me like 10 minutes, and I'm finally going, uh, excuse me, but they're going to be looking for me at any minute. Well, then we better get going. I said, all right, put the music on, one minute, that's it. He started the music, I started to dance, the supervisor opened the door and 
I got fired. <laughs> mm. Dancing's been in my life. <laughs> but when did you learn how to dance, though? You didn't say. Yeah, you skipped past that. How did you learn? Or you just, it was natural? It was natural. So you didn't take any classes? No. You didn't go to school for it? I did eventually. But would you dance up before that, though? Because, you, you know, you but, didn't. Um, well, I went two years as a nurse at Hartford Hospital. Then I became a theater manager for Cinerama, which is the largest theater in New England. Two years there. And I was so bored, I was miming Ben-Hur every part for my, ca uh, my candy girls and my ushers would sit in front of the candy place and I would mime the entire movie for them. And they got a big kick out of it. And one, of the, one day one of the kids says to me, you know, you should go to New York. You're really good. So the next week I packed my bags and I went to New York. And a friend of mine, because I had been going on weekends to New York and going to the um, Christopher Street uh, Stonewall. And I was dancing, and a guy came up to me and he said, you know, if you had training, I'd put you on Broadway tomorrow. I packed my bags and went back to Connecticut. And right across the river from where I'm living is Connecticut College, which has one of the best dance departments in the world at that time. Um, and the American Dance Festival was held there every year. Martha Myers, who danced with Martha Graham Company, was the teacher in charge of the Connecticut College Dance Department. And I went and auditioned for her, and she said, Rick, you're 25 years old. You realize you only have maybe three years as a dancer. I said, yeah, but I've been dancing my entire life. But nobody will take notice because I don't have any training. And she said, I'll give you that. And so I went one year. I got a scholarship to the American Dance Festival that summer. We were invaded by dance companies from all around the country. And I danced with some of the biggest names in the world. And Walter Nix, who is from New York City and one of the leading jazz dancers in New York City and in the country, took me under his wing and started me in his intermediate class and moved me to his advanced class and had me standing right alongside of him for the entire class and then brought me back to Manhattan and I started dancing with his company and then danced with several different companies around the city and did off-Broadway at so the same time. So you say you dance for some big names. Like, who are some names you dance for at um, that time? Walter Nix, Martha Graham, Jose Lemon, 
Larry Richardson, Alvin Ailey. Hmm. I know the last name. The first few, I don't, I don't know to fill you, but I know Alvin Ailey is a pretty big one. Yeah. Okay, pretty Ricky. Right, right. So you, so you, so you would. So what type of dances were these? Uh, I studied ballet, jazz, and modern. And most of the companies that I've danced with <clears throat> were modern companies or jazz companies. So. I'm just trying to think. You um, you're dancing for these companies. Um, and you say you dance for Broadway as well. Yeah. And all of that coincide with each other, like one led to the other. Yeah. Somebody will come and see you and invite you. That's how it'll be. Right. Okay. Now you're dancing for all these companies. Broadway is the last. Not, not the last, but Broadway is, is a pretty big one. Tell us about Broadway, how that happened. Uh, I never got to Broadway, although I worked on 43rd Street and Broadway across the street from the New York Times building, which is in the middle of Times Square, mm -hmm. but that's not considered a Broadway theater. Although some of the biggest black artists in the world performed in this theater. Um, I did a show called The Body Beautiful, and it ran for three summers. And I starred in it. Originally, it was supposed to be eight guys, each doing different numbers. But people kept dropping out of the cast, and it ended up being me and six boys that looked good that walked around the stage looking good. And I sang every number. Are you sang too? <clears throat> Two hours. No, of so you, me you... singing and dancing. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> when you started singing? When did I start singing? Yeah, well, you, you mentioned dancing and everything, but we, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't got so much, we got so much. <laughs> you got so much going on. I've been singing, well, I started singing in choir at church when I was with my grandmother when I was 10 years old. So you, you used to go to church? I go to church every Sunday. Oh, yes. Actually, you came out here and went to church. Yeah. I forgot. You do go to church. Yeah. So I, I sang in church last Sunday. Well, not last Sunday. The week before. I sang I Believe. Oh, wow. So you've been going to church since a, since a child. Yeah. I grew up in a congregational church with my parents, and then um, when I went to college at uh, Princeton, I went to Westminster Choir College, mm -hmm. and that's a music college, primarily organ and vocal, but I major in piano and a minor in voice, and I studied um, with some of the best vocal coaches in the country. At that time, Westminster Choir College was considered the number one music college in the world in 1966. Mm. And we did the Messiah at Lincoln Center with Leonard Bernstein that year that I sang at Lincoln Center. I've performed on 
five of the seven stages at Lincoln Center. Jeez. So moms forced you to play piano as a child, but you, you carried it on well, I, later on. I continued playing. I hated it. But um, when I was a senior, my mom and dad came to me and said, your father has been saving since you were a baby for you to go to college. And we've been spending all this money for you to take piano lessons, so you got to do something with your piano. <laughs> Mom's crazy. Mom's crazy, yeah. <laughs> and so I said, well, two things. You can either become a music teacher or a professional pianist. Professional pianist means sitting at that piano for eight hours a day. I hated one hour a day let alone eight hours a day. And when I got to college, they put me in a studio that was from here to that wall with a piano and a bench. And that's it. Just that. And I'm claustrophobic. Oh, wow. So sitting in this little room for five hours a day playing the piano drove me crazy. And I couldn't wait to get out of there. Got you. So you wouldn't have chosen to do that, to Mm. be the I wouldn't have chosen to do that in my life. So back in the days, though, real quick, um, I have to be mindful of how I word these things because I don't want to... Back in the days... Being gay um, was frowned upon, um, but it also to to people, you know, it might have been you had to be protected. You had to protect yourself. Remember that whole thing that was going around because they were saying that back then, if you were gay, you were could was it, you know was it the whole thing? If you were gay, you would get AIDS and all that stuff. Was that the whole during that time? Mm, that was long after. Long after probably. What what year was it? Uh, like 80s. 90s. 80s, 90s? 90s. I think 80s. That's like when Magic, and, well, not Magic, but... So back in those days, they didn't have that. They wasn't talking about, oh. No, AIDS didn't come until the late 80s. And from what I heard, they found an African tribe that lived on two sides of a river... The men lived on one side of the river and the women lived on the other side of the river. And one day a year, the men would go over and impregnate the women and then go home. But they were gay societies living on two sides of a river. And the CIA invented AIDS to wipe out the tribe. Did you believe that? I don't know. I Sort of do. <laughs> My first time hearing that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so when, so then you you must have been living your life. First of all, that story. Yeah, I had to look that up. That 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 was. You made it believable just now. Um, in the sixties and seventies, being a gay man, traveling the world. Did you have to? Did you do it in the open, or you did it privately? Privately. Unless you were in New York City. <laughs> so New York allowed you to do it open. Oh, yeah. But New York, that's why 
AIDS became so big was because New York allowed a lot of stuff to go on that should never have gone on. Mm. Backroom bars. I heard about the backroom bars. Sleaze places. Well, what does that? What does sleaze places mean? Um, cum buckets. Hey, yo, what? What, what does that mean? Rick, what, what, pause. What is that? I don't know. I, I don't want to know what that means. Mm. <laughs> what hey, mean? Rick, come on. All right, Rick. All right. With people having sex in bathrooms. Oh, okay, okay, got it. Subways, um, bars that had a room like this with no light except a red light in the middle of the room. And you walked in and you couldn't see the person in front of you, let alone anything else. And all you felt was hands on you. Oh, Lord. And I worked one of these places. And I told them, don't ever send me in that room. And one night, the bartender came to me and he said, we're running out of glasses. You've got to go in that room and collect glasses. And I grabbed a friend of mine and I said, you're going with me. Because <clears throat> if I get in there and I get a bunch of people on me, I'm going to start screaming and you're going to have to get me out of there because I'm going to freeze. <laughs> well, 10 minutes later, screaming. <laughs> and they, they, they were doing that? They were touching you up and stuff? Oh. Yeah, yeah. So they, it was <laughs> gross. <laughs> gross. And you, you're going in this room and you can't see anything. So you're feeling around on the floor to try and pick up glasses. Oh, oh. And your hands are covered in gooey... Uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't get the press for that. Oh, my God. I don't know all that. I don't know. It's easy. All right. All right, Rick. Yeah. So. <laughs> wow. I mean, I would, if it's ladies in there, I, you know, for me, I was probably in. No ladies. This is a gay club for men only. Oh, nah. So. But I'm saying if they had one with ladies, I might walk oh. in and just be like, hey, yeah, uh, oh, excuse me. So I'm trying to find some cups. Uh, <laughs> no, they didn't have. Um, there was one lesbian bar that I know of in town on Christopher Street. Um, but the girls' bars were very tame. Mm. I mean, they just were bars with girls exactly. hanging out kissing on each other and stuff but the guys bars were a lot different so you're doing all this participate participating in uh, not participating no no not participating but <laughs> those are salacious activities that were going on salaciousness um you just wanted to have fun at one point Right. right. You wanted to live. You wanted to dance and live life. Yep. That's um, all I wanted. So, and I, I don't, please do not get into details, but I just want to ask a question. Were you meeting, is the story true back in the days people would meet random people and just have fun? Is that, Rick, were you on that type of time, Rick? Were you just, oh, Rick, oh, don't <laughs> smile, Rick. Rick, you my guy, Rick. Um, don't, don't smile, Rick. Come on, Rick. 
I could. Rick, no. Rick, no. no Rick, Ricky, no. Rick, no. Ricky, no. There were days. Oh, Rick, please. When I worked as a go-go dancer. Okay. And I would start work at 10 o'clock at night. At 10.15, I was stark naked. I would stay on stage until 4 o'clock in the morning, at which point I would put on some clothes and go to another bar and dance until 6 o'clock in the morning and then go get some breakfast and then start heading home. But I wouldn't get home until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And I would sometimes meet several people on the way home. Oh. Let's go, go. No! Don't oh. oh, <laughs> you, man. Don't, don't hide that, man. I, I didn't hear the press up. <laughs> there was one day when I was in the West Village, and I came out of one apartment, and I walked a half a block and went into another apartment. Oh. And came out of that apartment and started walking, and I didn't get two doors. And I was in another apartment. What type of lifestyle was that, though, Rick? Fun. Pretty Ricky, what they call him. My boy was outside, outside. Before outside was outside, he was outside. Next door, no that. You crazy? Yeah, he was outside. Next door, the next. G money, stop, man. He went from John John to the other John John. <laughs> so it's just random, randomness, random acts. Random. I mean, I couldn't walk Yo. down the block without getting picked up. And that was okay back then. Yeah. I mean, if I didn't have sex ten times a day, I was. Not doing all right, all right, enough. Okay, first of all, wow, that's a lot. Okay, Rick, <laughs> 10 times a day is a lot, Rick. What it not what, for me? Gee, please, I, I can remember gee, doing stop, it man. 30 or 40 times a day. No way. How, how, what the hell? You, you was on, oh, nah, you what? You, were you on drugs back then? Was it drugs? No, I didn't do drugs. So what was it to keep you going? Um, you got to teach me a cigarette, because <laughs> 30 times a day, pause. But, you know. I had a lot of energy. <laughs> Yo! This interview just went, this is flip the script for real. Like, this is flip. What the hell? Would you asking him personal questions like this? No, 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 not. Nah. stop! I'm just saying. He's going to answer. That's that's the point. Listen, man. You this, think Rick is scared to answer? He's, he's not he's scared. Not. He, he, I'm like, he's, so stop asking him personal questions. I want to <laughs> learn, man. Not, Why? That, not, not that. Obviously, we have two different paths we go. So I want to learn from my path. You know? Like, how can a person go 30 times a day? Rick said he was leaving apartments and going to different apartments. That's what I'm saying. Back how, in the day, this is in New York, right? Yeah. He See, said he said what he said wasn't on drugs. He said it's energy. I want to know what kind of energy he had so I could try to use it no. for, for my path that I'm going on. You know what I'm saying? I want to be able to go haya and then haya and then haya and then haya ten, ten more I didn't times. I start smoking <laughs> if, weed if I want until to. I was <laughs> twenty 
26 or 27. And that, um, I was living in Hartford and coming to New York on weekends. Mm -hmm. And I ran into this guy at a bar and we hung out a few times, a couple of months. And um, he invited me down to New York to go to a dance concert. And I said, sure. And uh, I didn't know anything about what was going on or anything. And he brought me over to this friend's apartment who turned out to be Jacques Dumbois. Who was who that? Is or was the lead premier dancer for the American Ballet Theater, American Ballet. And um, he and his lover were getting stoned and um, they were taking us to this East Indian dance concert. And his lover was sitting on this huge pillow, rolling joints that were the size of a cigar. And uh, they started passing her around and came to me and I said, no, thank you. And it came around again and <clears throat> I said, no, thank you. And uh, Jacques says to me, you don't smoke? And I said, well, I've tried it a couple of times. It doesn't do anything. So he whispered something to his lover and his lover went in the other room and came back with this joint. And he hands it to me and he says, you smoke this and then tell me it doesn't do anything. I said, okay. So I smoked it and we walked to the Indian dance concert and we're sitting there and the dancer comes out on the stage and she goes, ooh. And all I saw was flashes of that arm movement. And I went, whoa. And he turns to me and goes, doesn't do anything, huh? <clears throat> and ever since then, I've been smoking. So you, other than that. You was hooked. I was hooked. Okay, so random acts of sexual activities. 30, 30 times a day, but you were just having fun. That was fun to you. Yeah. You were living. Now, when did the, how old were you at this time? 20, at the electric slide? No, how old were you at this time when all, you know. Well, you said it's spoken there. You said 26, 27. That's my 26, guy, right? 27. When did the electric slide smoking. come in? Uh, 28. Mm. When I was 28. Now, 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 walk us to how the electric slide come in. How did you invent the electric Because you said you are the creator of the... No, 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 you didn't say that. I have a pamphlet. I have the actual copyright. You gave me the copyright copy that says right. Rick Silver, creator, inventor of the electric slide. Right. I need you to walk us through how this happened. Um, I had just gotten hired by Larry Richardson Dance Company. And I saw an ad in backstage that Beefsteak Charlie's at Broadway and 71st Street was looking for bartenders and waiters for a new club that they were opening next door to the restaurant. And so I went with my two resumes, my acting resume and my acting now. accounting resume and went for a job as a bartender. And when they saw my dance resume and that I was dancing professionally, they said, 
you're just what we've been looking for. We want this club to be for professional dancers. Would you give the opening night party and invite all your dancer friends to come? So I said, sure, I could do that. I love giving parties. <laughs> Who doesn't? So I put together the opening night party and they had, uh, mine was Friday night. Saturday night, they hired a professional party giver who did Neil Sadaka's birthday and things like that. She had shrimp the size of my fist. Cost the bar an arm and a leg and they didn't make any money. Sunday night, one of the girls that worked for Beefsteak Charlie's in the office wanted to do a black party. Leontine Price was there, Wilt Chamberlain was there. It was beautiful. I think I was the only white person in the room. But it was nice. But the bar didn't make any money that night either. My night, the bartenders walked out with 500 bucks in their pocket. So about six months later, they said, Rick, could you give another party? And oh, by the way, can you create a dance to premiere at that party? I said, yeah, I can do that. And a couple of months earlier, I'd been to a club on 42nd Street called The Sanctuary. And the DJ there was a good friend of mine. And one night I walked in and he said, I got this record in today. You're going to love it. And he put it on and he played it. And I danced to it. It was nice. And as I was leaving that night, he handed me the, the, the 45. And I brought it home and I threw it up on a shelf and I never thought about it. So when they said, can you do a dance? I said, wait a minute, I got that record sitting home. I pulled it off the shelf and it was Martha, Marsha Griffith's electric slide, electric boogie. And so I put it on the turntable and started creating. And it came up with the electric slide. And I taught it for about six months. And then they said um, they were going to open the club to the general public because we had people lined up all the way around the block, if you can imagine, 72nd Street, 71st Street, mm -hmm. from Broadway to 9th Avenue. Um, so I said, two things are going to happen. One, all of the professional dancers that you've been having here for months now are going to walk. And two, some of these non-dancers are going to bring drinks onto the floor. Somebody's going to spill a drink. Somebody's going to slip and fall, and you're going to have a lawsuit. Oh, we got plenty of insurance. We're not worried about that. We're opening the doors to the general public. I said, okay, fine. So once they did that, I had to dumb the dance down to just the first two sections of the dance. And after about three weeks of teaching just the first two sections, I was so bored that one night I finally said, I'm going to show you people what this dance really looks like. And I did it full out and somebody had spilled a drink on the floor and I came down from a double pirouette and landed and tore my leg open. Oh. And that's the result of this.
So let's talk about that. So <clears throat> you didn't hear Bunny Whaler. You know, even though Bunny Whaler's song, you know, was electric. You know, I think it came out. It was originally put together in 1976. It was old before he shot it. He shot a video later on. Yeah. But you heard Marcia Griffin's version first. Right. And the, and you created a dance. Yeah. From and the you, demo that they had sent. And you were the only, you created, and then how, give us the steps of creating this dance. Where were you, at home creating this dance? You just mm -hmm. was, did you use anything from anything else to put it together? Like, did you take little pieces of this and you just, you were just thinking like step, 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 step? I was just moving to the music and figuring out what worked for me and what combinations I could put together. Um, to me, I had that piano background with the classical that my piano teacher taught me, Bach and Beethoven. And so one of the first piano pieces that I learned was a Bach fugue, which is a simple little piece that repeats, but every time it repeats, it gets harder and harder and harder. So I decided that that's what I wanted to do for this dance. I wanted to start it very simple, and then every time it repeated, it got a little more difficult and a little more difficult. And by the end, you're doing double pirouettes and double tours in the air. So, <clears throat> the, the, when you did the dance originally, and you were teaching, you said for six months you were teaching it to the Marcia Griffin song. Will you just teach it to that song? Like, will you, you play it? And I, then, um, I taught it to the original 45 that I received, but that was a reggae version of the record that everybody hears now. It was different. They, they released it in 76, but she didn't release the album until 82 or 85. I can't I think remember. it was 89. 89? No, the, there was one in 85, I think. Oh, okay, okay. Um, the first one that she put out. But by that point, disco had come in. And so they put out a disco version rather than the reggae version that I originally got. So the beat was faster than the actual dance that I created it to. So when people tried to do it to the disco version, it became too fast to do all of the extras that go with the dance. Mm. And even though this kid came and learned it at the club from me, he went to Chicago and decided that he'd only learned the first two sections of the dance. He didn't know there was more to the dance. He said, oh, this dance is so simple, it doesn't need a repeated step. So he dropped the second step forward, step back. Mm -hmm. There's supposed to be two of them. Yeah, so, so cause you, 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 you said that you used to get aggravated. When I, when I first met you, you said it bothered you that people would do the dance wrong. Yeah. You said that the, the, the kick is not a kick up, it's a hop. Right. That two things that, that got changed. One, it got shortened, and 
the end got miscued. People couldn't figure out how I got around, so they added a kick turn, twist, but actually the turn happens in the air. But, but you know nobody gonna be doing that's not too much, man. Race. I probably would get dizzy or but, something. But did that. you? But did why the dance you created? Why would it offend you? You didn't like the simpler version. It took away from no. your great creative creativity. You didn't feel like simple would be good for a lot because a lot of people do that around the world. The the stand, a lot of people do it stand. around the world, but they're only doing the first two sections of the dance. Rick, nobody's going to really jump in the air and spin. Rick, you know this, Rick. It's hard. I tried to do it. It was created for professional dancers. Got it. Okay. Mm. It wasn't ever <clears throat> made to go for regular people. Respect. You know, when I created it, I never thought it would take off and become a social dance. It wasn't supposed to be a social dance. So... so so, so at what point? At, at, at what point did um, Marcia Griffin reach out? Or what, at what point did you guys link up to kind of, or, or did you speak to her? Um, I called Marcia because uh, Marcia, sorry, I was having problems um, with her BMI. BMI is it? BMI, yeah. Um, because I was using her record. And in my videos and posting online is her record and they're trying to get me to pay royalties on her record. And I said, when she pays me royalties for using my dance in her two videos, mm. then I will pay her royalties for using her music. When was this though? Because you said post online. That, that, that wasn't back then. So like, uh, did you, so, so like, all right, so the dance was created for the dancers. When was this time that you called her? I called her in, must have been 89 or 90, somewhere around Because he said posting online, so I'm asking like, when did you, when did you initially like either meet her or speak to her about the dance and the whole song and everything? Because... You said you posted online and stuff like that. That's later on. That's that's years later. So right. when, the, when the dance first came out, when you created it, people knowing about it, it's starting to get, you know, the clubs, the dancers are doing it. When did she... When did oh, I didn't hook first? up with any of them until the late 80s. Okay. So yeah. how did they learn to dance? That's, 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 what, that's what he's asking you, Rick. Like, how did the dance... You were doing the dance to her record. How were they able to use that into her video, right? Like, did you... You taught somebody and they brought it to her? Did you yeah. go and... Okay, that's what it was. Right. So somebody came to you. I, I was teaching it here in Manhattan. Got it. And somebody learned it from me and took it to her. And she learned how to do it and made a video with kids doing my dance, but doing the 18-step variation. So she probably gave that guy credit for it. She didn't give anybody credit for it. Well, she just took it and ran with it. That's it. She just went and ran with it because nobody realized that it had been copywritten. And it wasn't until I called her when I got a call from BMI, I called her and then I called Bunny Whaler. And um, 
said, you know, we have to do something here because I don't want to pay for your having to use it and you shouldn't have to pay for me having to use it. But um, we got that all worked out and neither of us have paid any royalty fees. So tell us the frustration. The frustration is when people learn the 18-step dance and they come to me to learn the 22-step dance and their heads are doing the 18-step version and it's difficult to teach them to add a step. It's much easier to drop a step than to add a step. So you, so how do we do this? It's, it's, I don't have the paper with me, but you have a paper that was telling us how to do it. Right. So it's, it's, it's step, 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 right? Is that a f- one, two, one, one, two? There are three fours, but you, we, three threes, two twos, a one and a half. Rick, Rick, we don't understand what that is. <laughs> Just tell us in layman's terms. That's how you did this. Three, four, three. Let's calm down, Rick. You know, we 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 know that you are. They said it. The choreographer, the choreographer Silver created the electric slide, a twenty-two step dance. We get it, Rick, but we need you to keep it, keep it, dub it down a little bit. So. When you do the electric slide, you step in. Oh which God. way first? Here we go. What? No, just... Me and Rick did it before. I saw. I saw. You saw? Yeah. <laughs> it's one, two, three, boom. together, like that, right? Right. And there's boom. One, boom, two, three, boom. together. Boom. Then go back. And then back. One, two, three, together. Then you do it. And then step forward. Uh-huh. Touch. Touch step the back. Touch the floor, right? No, no, no. Uh, step, forward. step forward. Touch your foot touch next yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, step yes. back. Touch foot. Uh-huh. Repeat. Step forward. Touch. Step back. Touch. Now this time, step forward, but turn your foot to that wall. Which which way? This one? The back one or the front one? This one. Back the back one, right? You're turning to the wall that you're going to turn to. Yeah, so we turn this way, right? Right. So it's the same, the hop. Yeah, doing, it's yeah but it's a hop. It's a hop, though. Right. It's a hop, not a twist not a turn. But it's not a kick. Not we, 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 we do a little well, that's it. Uh-oh, there, there you go, go, there you go. Yeah, pretty Ricky, oh. what they call them. Here we go. And the country western people you got, you got to do them here, this turn like this. You got to come over here, Ricky. Actually. Got camera, come over here, Ricky. Right. Watch this. Back there? Yeah, Rick don't mind. When you're doing step forward, step back, step forward, step back. When you step forward, your foot is in third position, oh. ballet. And then you hop onto that foot, which I can't do anymore. Yeah. But you hop onto that foot, and that's what makes the turn. Oh. You hop onto that foot. You step forward and then you hop on it. So you, so you know. Step, hop. But you hop on the same foot that you're turning. Right. You're oh. stepping onto it and transferring your weight to it. Got, oh. Okay, so you step, hop. Got it. So, but we've been doing it more for years because we do a kick. Like when they go. Well, they keep that foot on the ground and. The only way you can get around by keeping that foot on the ground is just... Okay. 
So when did it come? When did it come to you, Rick? Of that? Because you, you got when you talk about it, you you don't like that. People don't know. Like you, very passionate. <laughs> I don't understand. No, I do understand as you created, but you. Is it because you're really a dancer? You really created it for dancers. Um, for dancers, and you didn't know it become this big social. Right, because now the dance is nothing more than one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, one, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, one, two. We didn't even do that second one. We skipped that second one. We skipped that second one already, so. It just keeps going. And that to me is monotonous. But 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 your version you said it gets it gets harder each Because yes. it's supposed to get harder. So like what but he can't do it. Don't have no, yeah, he'll, he'll try. You gotta do but tell yeah, he'll try. Tell you us, this man tell, try. Tell I don't know what, what please GG, <laughs> stop. Yeah. He'll gotta do it. He can tell he us. He will try. I'm he sweating to, already. He tried to spin um, it. No, Rick, don't no, do it, please. G stop. The the step goes one, two, three. One, two, three. It's a grapevine where you're crossing behind. The second section, it changes to a slide. Two, three. One, okay. two, three. Then it changes to a half turn. Two, three. Oh, I see people do that. Version two, though. Two, I see people do that. Three. Okay. And then yeah. it changes to a full turn. All right, slow down. Two. Three, oh. and then double turns. Oh, no, no, no. See, we can ask too much. So why would you make it harder for people? Because a professionals can do it. Right. So a professional dancer can do the, the tour in the air. So the tour, it's a, he said it's a complete, I tried to do it, I can't do it, but it's a complete turn. You have to turn around. Rick, mm -hmm. You go one no, no, no. and turn. All right, right. And I used to be able to do three. Oh, no. And then land and drop to your knee. So when do you slap the floor? There's a slap the floor version, right? When you step forward and touch, you step forward and touch the floor, yeah. and then step back. You're sweating. Right, you're sweating. I'm sweating. Yeah. I'm sweating. Yeah. Well, He's I'm a big time, right? I'm pulling my man one time, man. <laughs> 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 Show us the, the real way to do it, like the slide. He take that stuff personal, man. We've been doing it wrong all these years. Yeah, even, even me. Ooh. No, I got. I've been doing it wrong all these years, man. He take it personal, man. Rick, you gotta look in his eyes. The pack, but in my mind, I'm, this is what I think, Rick. And, 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 I, and tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like how I felt, even because you, entertaining guy, man. You know, you came and you taught us to dance, man. It's one of my favorite videos. You're cool, but then when I ask you about it, it's like, in my mind, it's like, okay, it became social, right? Why haven't not? Why haven't you accept not accepted the terms, Rick? Like, this is big. You still look how you're the owner of it. Why does it bother you so much? Because this is, everybody do it around the world, Rick. Everyone. I know. Everyone do it. So why, why does it become so aggravating to you? Man, I, I, I went online one time. Because and I see, it's I see you writing people. I see you writing on YouTube. I see you. Once should, when I follow your name, honored, I, I see you writing people, Rick. I see you. He should be honored. That's how we feel. But I want to know why don't he feel honored? Why does he feel it as a slight? This, and you're still getting the credit for it, or you're not getting the credit for it? I'm not getting credit most uh, of the time. Got it. Um, and people are posting uh, electric slide videos 
online all the time and they're supposed to put that it's created by me when they post the electric slide. It's supposed to say the electric slide by Rick Silver. And the Electronic Frontier Foundation tried to sue me because I took down some people's videos on YouTube and they lost. Because I do have a copyright. And mm. I am allowed to take down videos where people are using my choreography and doing it incorrectly and not paying me. So, wow. but you didn't, did you ever ask them to, to do it, right? Like, did you ever try to, because usually before you take something down, they, 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 they recommend that you reach out to them. Did you ever try to reach out or you just, you were that mad oh, and yeah. said, no, everybody's No, no, it. no. I reached out to everybody that I've ever taken down and spoken to and asked them to either post my name as creator of the electric slide or take it down. That's all I ask. So you're not looking for money. You're looking for the recognition and the and the right. um, just you if know. If you're gonna post the electric slide video, then put the electric slide by Rick Silver. Simple. So so but you also didn't get credit. It wasn't a lot of. Let's talk about. You also got. You said you got robbed by a couple of people in the industry. Oh yeah. You told me before, man. You were upset, man. I think you mentioned uh, something with Oprah. I don't know if you got robbed by her. I think Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry. Um, oh yeah. Uh, Lionsgate still owes me money because um, Tyler Perry did all of the Medea films, plays and stuff. Every Medea show that Tyler Perry put together ran in a theater for several years before making a movie of it. Right. And then... Sure. He made a new show, and every single one of his original three or four Medea shows had the electric slide in it. The stage version and the movie. And some of them they made two movies of. And I sent Tyler Perry a bill for using the electric slide in all of the stage productions and all of the films. And he called me up and he said, Rick, I do owe you this money, but I don't own the rights to Medea's films anymore. Lionsgate bought the rights. So you have to send the bill to Lionsgate. Lionsgate's refusing to pay. You spoke to Tyler Perry yourself? I spoke to Tyler Perry. And Lionsgate, what is Lionsgate reason to not paying you? What are they telling you? Nothing. Uh, really? Yeah. So they curving you? Yeah. Did they get and They're the not the only ones. Wait, Ellen on. DeGeneres had... Oh, um, oh, hold on. Ellen, come on. Man. She had... Uh, Terry Hatcher on the show in 2006. And the only reason I know is because I watched Ellen back then, because she was gay. <clears throat> My mom watched Oprah. They come on at the same time every day. Super Bowl Sunday, we went to mom's for Super Bowl Sunday, 
and we're sitting around the dinner table, and I said, oh, Ellen had the electric slide on her show this week. Mom turns to me and goes, Oprah had it on this week, too. Mm. Oprah, I wrote to, and her legal people contacted me, and they sent me a check for $1,500, telling me that the show was only on for 30 seconds, and that's what they pay for music for 30 seconds, so that's what they would pay me. And I said, fine. Send me a copy of the video so that I can have it for my records. They never did. So it came out in reruns about six months later, so I videoed it. And when I watched it, it ran for a minute and 14 seconds. So by law, I could have charged her for a full minute. But I sent her a bill for a half a minute, another 1500 bucks. Plus $5,000 for not um, showing my name or giving me credit. And $50,000 for not asking me for permission to use it on a national TV show and teaching it incorrectly as an 18-step dance. Her people called me and said, <clears throat> we owe you the $1,500, but we're not paying these penalties. And my lawyer said, we'll see you in court. Because then my lawyer got sick and died. So we never got to court. And Oprah never paid me. Ellen never paid me either. Although, uh, about six months ago, I wrote to everybody that owed me money because the interest rates were from 2006. I mean, Ellen was owing me millions of dollars already. <clears throat> So I wrote everything off except for the $3,250 that the original bill was for. And I sent them all um, notes saying that I was doing this, writing off everything and just bringing it down to the base number. And if they didn't pay it in six months, I was taking them to small claims court. I got a call from Ellen DeGeneres' people saying, what invoice are you talking about? So I made a copy of the invoice and sent it by phone. And they said, thank you, we'll take care of that right away. I'm still waiting. That was two months ago. <laughs> okay, so Tyler Perry called you himself. Tyler yeah. said, Rick, I feel like I do owe you this. Shout out to Tyler Perry. But he said Lionsgate. Lionsgate did not respond to anything. Lionsgate doesn't even want to talk to me. Why not? I don't know. They just hang up on me. Hang up the phone? Yeah. You got the number to them? Yeah. I've called them numerous times. How do you say, hello, this is Rick Silver. I'm calling about... Yeah. You give me that type of guy. Hello, this is Rick Silver. I'm calling about the electric slide. You give the, it's like you give the whole thing out in the beginning. Right. And they probably say, hold, please. And he's sitting in the phone. And it's... I talk to the accounts payable department, oh. and I say, you know, I've sent you this invoice. I'm waiting for payment. Uh, they pass me to somebody else. 
Uh, we'll get back to you. So what, So what is your plan to get this money? Take them to small claims court. Do you really plan on taking them to small yeah, claims I, court? I have a... Um, my back's outside. I went to the court this morning, and I got all the paperwork that I need to... So either tomorrow or when I get home, I'll be filling out paperwork and taking all these people to small claims court. In New York City? No. In New London, Connecticut. Oh, got it, got it. Wow. So... I'm probably not playing around with his money, man. Kind of wait, 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 hold on. Hold on. I can only get 5000 bucks, And some of the bills are only 3250 bucks plus interest. But what do you really point. want, though, Rick? Do you really want the money, or you just want them to give you the recognition, or you want the money? I want them to give me the recognition. I mean, they've put my material in their movies, on their TV shows, and they haven't paid me for it. So you think some something like something like, for instance, Ellen invite you to the show and then that that's would that be suffice for you? Something like Tyler Perry putting you in a movie and then you doing a dance and the, would, would that be suffice? That would be fine. I mean, all I want is the recognition that right. they're using my material. That's what I'm saying. So I worked hard. T- Instead to make of, that. So you're saying instead of them just stealing your dance and putting it in the movies and these shows and stuff, you would rather them invite you out to be a part of those experiences for that platform for you to be on that big stage so you can say, oh, this is the guy from the, oh, yeah, and then you can be a part of that experience. Right. Remember, he, he, I mean, he, Ellen has on people all the time. Oprah has on people all the time. Right. Here's a new car. Here's this, that, and the other thing. I mean. It's true. Yeah, remember, he, he, he injured his knee for that, G. Yeah. I even went to Ellen's show one time to talk to her about it, and they wouldn't even let me into the theater. Oh, wow. I sat out in the parking lot where they have this section where people, you know, come and they have, bring a bus and everybody gets on the bus and they bring you to the studio. I sat there and everybody got on the bus and they rejected me. They wouldn't even let me on the bus. Did they know who you were? I don't know. They may have. I'm making a picture of him at all these studios. Like, because I was out there shooting. Don't this man in nobody's show. I was out there shooting a, a show about the electric slide. So um, it's very possible that I was right down the street shooting the other show that, that, that wow. they who, knew I was there. Who did good by you, Rick? Who, who treated you? Who would you say, you know what, Flip? You know what, G-Money? These guys right here paid me what they owed. And did the right thing. Who everybody couldn't have done the the wrong thing. Who did the right thing when it came to acknowledging you as the creator of the electric slide? Um, any movies? Uh, any a lot of um, films, TV shows. Um, Dexter. Okay. Did a, a an ending series up in Canada, and um, they asked me to use the electric slide. They paid me. I watched the series. They didn't even use it. I mean, a lot of people have called me up and said they were going to use it. Um, the neighborhood had the electric slide on. They paid me. Mm. Um, but there's a lot of people, like, I just got to see Nomadland about three months ago. Mm-hmm. It won all the uh, awards last year. Uh, Francis uh, McDermott 
one. And I just got to watch it, and the electric slide is in one of the scenes. They're in a country western bar, and they're doing the electric slide. So it's the principle behind that, basically. It's, it's the principle in people just paying, paying homage and showing where it came from. Yeah. But do you think, like, honestly, do you think some of these people actually know where it came from? Know who created it? Because... Honestly, I didn't know I until know. I, I learned from I learned from Queens Flip. He's you know him posting the video up. He said, "Oh, I met this guy. He's the creator." Like stuff. I'm like, I had no idea. So I, I it's probably, been I probably all the over thing. the internet for years. I mean, in 2006, I had a big lawsuit going, and it was all over the internet. And if you put in the electric slide or Rick Silver, Google has every. I mean, there's like five pages of me. Hmm. But, but but I understand what G Money's saying that I feel like due to the fact of these important shows not important but the shows that we watch or we fans of didn't give Rick the credit we sort of thought that you know I had the man I was just thinking about the electric slide one day and being taught it and then I came across your name in a website and I remember I telling Bassie I'm like hold on this guy really created it. And I remember we, like, we got to call him. We got to, you know, we got to meet him because I want to know if this is real. And then you brought the actual copyright version mm-hmm. that you created. It's a little purple. He has it printed out. I've seen, and, it, I've seen it online. Yeah. But yeah. see, that, that, that's how you think about it. Because you're like thinking of, from, from a creative st- standpoint, like, yeah, yo, I want to do content. I want to do this. Let me find this guy. I was going to be dope to have him. But some people might be like, yo, let's just slide. we do doing that since we were little. Let's just put it in the movie. Let's put it in the show. We're not thinking about it twice. It's just what we grew up, like, you know, it's the culture thing. I, you know, I, I know you created it, and I, you know, as a dancer and as a, you know, uh, you said you're from Portugal, Portugal, and mix, you know. But in, in our world, in our, in our, you know, in our little brains, that's a black dance. You know, like it's it's, it's like a it's part of Oprah like hip, said on her show, <laughs> it's the national black dance. Yeah, it's, so that's that's how people are viewing it. So we're not thinking about who created the dance. We just know we grew up. It's just a natural thing. It's like you wake up. You get older, you dance in, you two step in, let your slide. It just it just kind of flows in the barbecues. We do barbecues, everyone let your slide. We don't think about who made the dance up. You know what right. I'm saying? I think I think that um and, and and that's 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 real. You said that. I think with according to Rick is like he created it, you know, for actual dancers. Right. And even it if makes it's sense. The, you know, it's the culture for us. You know what I mean? We've been doing it wrong for years because the person who created it said we've been doing it wrong. Right. And he has the power, dude, because that's not how... We got to think about real life, right? I do agree with you, Jim. We're on the same page. But in reality, that's not how life works. Life mm-hmm. works is you get permission. You get the proper authorization if you're going to use a dance. Right. Because if, if, if it was that easy, we all could be able to... Just take something and do what we want with it, and not you know, there's no fact. repercussions. That's a fact. So that's what with, with Rick. I think with Rick thing is that you guys are not even giving me the credit. I, but I agree with him though. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, I, I'm I just saying that. like the people probably just not thinking about it and just using it. But once he reached out, it should I, I, it should be taken care of. Yeah, I agree. It's, that's nothing that 100%. you know. I, I don't think no one should be curving you. I think that you know they can be you know maybe f- forgotten about you know, or not. Not thinking about it, of course, but if you reach out and say, "Hey, it's me," I'm the guy who, oh, okay, I apologize. Let's let's make it right, because yeah. that that's what I would do on my case. If, I, if I'm doing something, if I'm doing a business or something, and you reach out to me, some and you're people saying, have like I'm gonna say, "Okay, cool, let's take care of it." You um, know what I'm uh, Danny DeVito did a film called The Super, and 
that's the only film that they actually do the 22-step version. Really? Yeah, in the film. Because somebody on that cast learned it from me. Mm. (laughs) That's dope. But yeah, like I said, I definitely agree with you. I'm not trying to say I don't. I don't agree with you, Rick. You know, I definitely. If you reach out, and or even if you reach out, either that way or they're yeah. aware of it, then they should definitely pay homage or right. you know, like 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 how Flip did. Like Flip wanted to meet the creator of dance. He he invited you out. I think that's, you know, I think that's important. Yeah, especially nowadays too. Like you know, for the, um, for the youth that's watching the podcast or whatever, or people are watching the podcast, it's important. That's why I appreciate so much what they did with, with the whole versus thing. You know, um. I don't know if you watch the verses, but Swiss Beach and Timberland, they had a verses thing on, on on Instagram um, during the during the quarantine. That was pretty big, where they had one artist versus another artist, and they kind of went song for song. But that was educational too for people who didn't know about like people like DMX or people like right. you know Jada Kiss. These other the young kids don't know about these artists because they're a little younger. They they born in two thousand eight or nine. You know what I mean? They they don't know who. These these uh old school artists Bow Wow and Soldier Boys they they're not familiar with those artists like that so this is the part of education so people need to pay homage and you know what I'm saying like give Rick Silver his flowers man I agree um what year that then the Vita movie came out said the super right um, um super. every time you say it, I've been looking for it man Are you sure it's called the super yeah yeah it's ninety one ninety one wait no it's I see Joe Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci, that's it. Come on, like, Danny DeVito. No, he, he, he's, Danny he's, DeVito. He's, in, he's in it. Oh, no, there's something else. I was like, he's in it too. So, 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 Joe Pesci then, okay. And they did the dance the right way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the super, yeah. 91. And you got paid for it. How much you got paid for that? Um... Twenty-five hundred. Twenty-five. Twenty-five hundred. So, I don't know, I'm just trying to look at the extra size scene. I see the super as MC Hammer. You can't touch this. So oh, yeah, yeah. He, he, so he, he probably had to pay him too, then, right? MC Hammer. He got to pay MC Hammer doing dance, maybe. <laughs> I see. It. Oh, yeah, they they did lift up. They did lift their foot up. Oh yeah, this scene right here. Oh snap! Two times, okay. Hey, I've never seen my do the two times before in real life. I never seen that. I only seen the one. That's it. Just one time, come back, and then, woo, we out. That's it. Well, in the replacements, they only do it once. So, damn, Rick. I'm in a lot of films. Never got paid for. You you everywhere. Three quarters of them. You 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 across the the whole world. I see. You you were going on the internet. You had a big lawsuit with who? Who did you have a lawsuit with in '06? Um, some guy that had posted a wedding video with the electric slide. Now, why did it become a big lawsuit? What happened? Um, because I took it down, and he thought that I should not take it down because he didn't know that I created it. But he didn't think I had a copyright. But he sued me. 
How much? I don't even know. Because I didn't lose. <laughs> mm. You won the My game. My lawyer took care of <laughs> the whole thing. I didn't even go to court. Did you feel bad a little bit or no? No. I took it down because there were about 97 videos of people doing the electric slide on YouTube and none of them had my name listed. How many views you got? Thousands. How you created the robot? Now, okay, so now. Mm. That, mm. when I was at college, I went to Connecticut College and majored in dance. And there was a, um, there were several master's students that were in school with me at the same time. And I was living with the masters because I lived off campus. And one of the girls who lived in the house with me wanted to do her master's thesis, but she wasn't really a dancer, dancer. She was a mover, not a dancer. So all of her vignettes were movement type things with people doing hula hoops and people on those big bouncy balls, you know, with the thing bouncing around the stage and all of this movement type of stuff, but not really dance. And she wanted something to tie it all together. So she said, can you be the jukebox that comes out in between the vignettes so we get to change costume and, and you dance around and we'll put this cage around you and lights and and you dance around like a jukebox and be the inter intermission sort of thing between the vignettes. And so they built this um, erector set cage around me and wrapped me in uh, glad wrap and had me <coughs> wrapped in Christmas lights, outdoor Christmas lights, you know, those big bulb lights mm -hmm. that were hot <laughs> on my skin. And they had a, a cord running across the stage that ran out my butt. And so I'd come on stage and I couldn't move and all I could do was this. And so oh, this cool. turned into this. Hey. Maybe you can come back here and do it again. Joe. Yo, you gotta see his face though. I can't see you on that camera. That camera's too low. Yeah, well, I just watch the one So it turned into this. So, okay, okay, Rick, okay, okay, Rick, okay. Yo, let's go, Rick. G, chill, G. Let's go. 
Gino! Ah, ah, Gino! Ah, <laughs> I couldn't do it early because we had a lot of, you know, so I had to wait. <laughs> so hey, yo, talk. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so now, you create, so, you didn't copy, did you copyright the, the robot? No. I didn't copyright anything but the electric slide. But I created break dancing, locking and popping, uh, the electric, the robot, the only square dance created since the 1940s called the Texas Silver Star. Mm. And what I called the Webble. But now, if you look on the computer, it's called tectonics or tectronics, tectonics, something like that. So hold on, hold on, give me a second. You created a pop lock? Yeah. I created locking and popping, which now is two different dances, but that stemmed from the robot and taking that to. But Rick, how you know you created the robot, Rick? Because I believe you. I'm saying how you, how you certain that you can say flip? I created this. These are some bold words. Man, the robot Michael Jackson used it, Rick. <laughs> A lot of people used it, and he got it from. He didn't even get that. He got it from. Um, Turbo, allegedly, that's what they saying. He got it from the guy Turbo and um, Link Turbo from that from that uh, breaking movie. Before, that. Before, no, I'm saying, but Michael, they were saying that he would. Watch, Michael got it from that. He got it from that. The, the right. movie breaking. The guy Turbo, the dancer, he was doing all the moves and all that. And the, yeah. Even the moonwalk, I think he got it from those guys. Who, who was Turbo? Turbo, he's in the um, breaking movie. It's a movie called Breaking, old school movie. Well, well, I guess some. I don't know. I gotta. He was dancing in Taxi Five, but I think when he got old, I guess he got influenced by the the break dancing and all that culture. So I don't know if you got you started that and then they went to the, those guys afterwards or. Well, I started break dancing in Manhattan, and <clears throat> I went to a club down on 14th Street, and that night I was really bored, and they used to clear the dance floor for me, and. So they gave me this whole space that was bigger than this rug. And everybody was just standing and dancing and bopping, what I call bopping, not really dancing. And so I said, my dance teacher used to tell me, use the space. So I decided I'd show these people what using the space was all about. So I went from up in the air to down on the ground, rolling around and spinning on my butt and all sorts of stuff. And the next day I went to church and I'm coming home from church and there's these Puerto Rican kids out on the sidewalk with cardboard trying to do what I had done the night before. And it went straight up the west side and all the way to the Bronx. And now they say it was created in the Bronx. Mm. But it wasn't. You created it. I created it. Hold on now, Rick. This is some bold statements. It's just pretty bold. Rick, these are bold, It's pretty man. bold. <laughs> what year? We need a year, Rick. Come on, man. You can't just be saying you created. Well, it was before the electric. And that was 76. So it had to be 70, 
three or four. So this was so the breakdance and stuff was before the lecture. You saying? Yeah. Oh mm. look, I yeah. see the pop lock. The pop lock. But you can't take claim to this because there's no copyright. There's no copyright. I oh. didn't copyright anything but the electric. Did anybody? You have witnesses, Rick? Do I have witnesses? A whole West Side. <laughs> of Chicago? No, of New York. Shout out to 48th Street, 9th Avenue. So and they said it was created, but it was not created in the Bronx. No. What wasn't, I just want you to repeat, what wasn't created in the Bronx? What wasn't created? Yeah, yeah, in no, the no repeat, repeat what you said. I just want to make sure we have the that you that I understand what you're saying. Lockin' and poppin' was not created in the Bronx. It's created by who? Was created by me in Manhattan. Rick Silver. Yes. Was AKA a, Pretty Ricky, what they call him. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. well, chill, G. I thought you liked this guy, but stop. Did did you did Yo. you um was it now? What club was it? Was it a gay club that you were in doing? Yeah. Anything? Oh, you don't, do you think people don't want to acknowledge? Do you think people are afraid to acknowledge? Uh, but things are different now. But you think that people are afraid yeah. to acknowledge? Or it shouldn't I don't think anybody knew who I was or what I was doing at the time. Um, I was dancing all over the city. Uh and I was opening discotheques all over the city. Mm. Um, because I worked for the mafia, I knew a lot of the bar owners. Wait, and oh. they <laughs> would call me and say, I'm opening a new club here, would you come and dance? So I opened at least five different clubs in Manhattan. Yo, Rick, you just said you work for the mafia? Yeah. Rick, stop, man. Come on, man. Enough. Rick, please. <laughs> you work for the mafia for real? I worked for the Don of the City. The who? The Don of the City. Are you talking about what, John Gotti? John Gotti wasn't the Don of the City? Who was John, the, the, the Don of the City? Huh? The guy before him. Oh, let me see. Hold on, give me mm. <laughs> His nephew ran a whorehouse called the Green Door. Mm. And I was the bouncer at the Green Door. What, yo, you got to me. What, what job did you do, bro? It's a guy, bouncer, dancer, Ooh. singer. Well, when I moved to New York, I was broke and on my own. So... I took a job wherever I could. Heard you. And <clears throat> the mafia offered me a job as a go-go dancer at a club in the West Village. And the first night I got on stage, the club filled up immediately. And the minute I walked off stage, the club emptied out. Oh, wow. Hold on, Rick. Are you able to... Uh, so... Who was the who was the guy? Who, who what family was this family of the Italians? Was it the Gambino? Was it Paul Castellano? Close. 
Mm. It was before him? Yeah. Who was before Paul? Come on, man. Stop it. All right, let me take Paul now. I'm going to find out right now. Uh, who succeeded? Carlo Gambino? Mm. Rick, come on, Rick, stop. They're not alive, man. Carlo's not alive. They're not alive anymore. None of them. So you worked for the head of the Gambino fam. You met him? Did you meet him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course I had <laughs> dinner with him. Hold on, be careful. Hold on now. We like this guy, man. No. Oh, sorry. Yes. I know you like him, man. <sighs> Carry on, sir. So, hold on. What do you mean you had dinner with him? Like to talk business? Sitting down and having a meal. He used to come to the club. The, the gay club? No, the whorehouse. Oh, the whorehouse. You were security at the whorehouse? Yeah. Got it. He died in 85, though. Yeah. Were you, did, did he know you? Was he aware of you? Were you guys? Oh, yeah. He considered you his friend? Yeah. He told me all I had to do was mention his name. So I don't say his name. Was he, so, so, how did you meet him? He came to the club where I was working. His nephew was the owner of the Green Door. Mm. And his nephew ended up going to jail because he blew somebody away. But um, while he worked there, I was the bouncer. And he used to come and visit with the girls and sit in and have dinner and sit around and talk like we are now. But they offered me a new club that they were opening called the Department Store where we had three floors of bars and I was on the top floor and I would get on stage and take off my clothes and stay on this podium that was about as big as this cushion. <laughs> what do you mean, ter- like naked? Yeah. All right, man. All right, Rick. Because now, like, the thing about it, like, you're going to make me read into these things too much, and I don't want the Italian mob to get at me. I don't know if they're even still around. Big Paulie, the Pope. The beak, the chicken man. <clears throat> wow. Wow. And then you had the guy before him. Oh, I see. Carlo Gambino. Okay. But these guys were cool with you, though. Yeah. And at the time, what you had to do was say their name. They made you, They paid you well? Yeah. All right. Your, your mind is like a, a, a documentary. It's like, you know, like, <laughs> like, did you watch these guys do crazy things? Were you witness to somebody getting beat up and hurt? 
I've seen my share of stuff. I right, will leave it at that. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to ask too much. Mm. So, do we you get have the hotel that we used as a whorehouse was an old hotel that only had two residents still living in it because the top floor and the third floor, well, the first, second floor was the whorehouse. The third floor we had tenants on, and the top floor they used as a shooting gallery. Mm. How long you worked for the Italians for? How many years, you think? Um, two, I think, two and a half, something like that. What made you leave? I came back to Connecticut to uh, start dancing. Did, did you, was that like It was while I was working for the mafia that the um, guy came up to me and said, if you were, um, I was dancing and he saw me, he said, um, if you had dance training, I'd put you on Broadway tomorrow. And I packed my bags and came back to Connecticut and went to school. And then I went back to New York and I couldn't find that guy. Got it. Real quick, when you see people doing these dances, right? Uh, even even the robot and stuff like that. Do you do you feel a way about the robot, or you accepted that for what it is? That I accept for what it is. Um, all of the dances that I've done, the only one that I put my name on is the electric, and that's why I'm so feisty about it. Got you, okay. Um, question. So the, the electric slide, right? You said you copyrighted the dance. When did you actually copyright the dance? Like, and, and at what point? Nineteen seventy-six. And, and, and what made you do that? Uh, when I was at Khan, and my dance teacher was teaching us, one of the lessons that she taught was, um, if you have a dance that you feel is worthwhile, you should always copyright it. Mm. And when I did the electric, I put so much energy into that dance, I knew that it was gonna go somewhere. Right. And so I copywrote that. The others, I should have copywritten and didn't. <laughs> it's electric. Hey, so don't don't try to sue us for doing dance though on the show. You might you go home and nah. watch the episode. <laughs> <laughs> now, Rick, Rick, Rick is the you guys Rick. did it the wrong way. <laughs> I think, I think, you know, Rick. I, yo, let me just. I went on real quick before we close out. I, you know, I went online. I have seen Rick write people. Man, this man is writing people. Still, after all telling these years. them to take it down. Or I'm, Rick is just Rick. It's like you're home all day on a computer, just going crazy. <laughs> no, actually, I. Um, <clears throat> um, I get an email if somebody puts something on YouTube. Of course. Um, that lets me know that there's a new posting of the electric side. I know you're talking about So I automatically go and check it out. And if they're doing it wrong or they didn't put my name, then I write to them. <laughs> mm. Respect that. I'm but right. I don't go looking for it. No, no, you get an email. You know? I, know, I know the email you're talking Every about. now and then I'll pull up Google to see how many more pages that they've added of me. But um, And if there's something new, then I'll look that up. But other than that. You're the man, Rick. Rick, you're the man. What do you want the world to know? Well, 
I wish that everybody knew that Christ is alive and here with us. Wow. Let me ask you. I'll close out. Okay, good. Let me ask you a question. Now, this is going to be controversial. Oh, man, I don't. Hold on. I got to be mindful because I don't want to get attacked. But when I was younger, growing up, Rick, you've been going to church your whole life as an openly gay man. Now, when I was younger, you know, people would tell you these things that God felt about, you know, in the Bible about man or man, you know, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, these things that I've been hearing since a child from different people. Um, did people ever judge you when you went to church as, a, as an openly gay man? Or no. they didn't. They didn't judge you. That's good. Shout out to them. That's good. Shout out to the church. They never said nothing. You never heard of these things. They, you never heard. The church accepted. The only time I ever heard anything was when I was at Khan. I uh, took an independent study in directing out at the National Theater Institute with Larry Eric. And Larry was a Broadway director, and um, the National Theater Institute is one of the best theater <clears throat> companies in the world. And <clears throat> I did Boys in the Band as an independent study in directing. And I went to my church, my Baptist church, to borrow $300 to do the show. And in the program, on the cover, I thanked the Baptist Church for supporting me. And I got called in front of the deacons for doing so because they had given me the $300, not a gay show. Even though they knew that the money was going towards the show, which was a show about gay people, they were upset that I was giving them thanks for producing a gay show. Wow. Wow. And the other thing my minister was upset was I didn't cut the, fuck you, who do you have to fuck to get around? Um, drink around here. There's two lines that use the F word and I didn't cut them in the script because I didn't, didn't feel that I mean that's the way people talk so that's the way it was written. What was the repercussions? Um, my minister didn't speak to me for a couple of months because um, he had been to a couple of Broadway shows on Broadway that had also upset him because they had the F word in them as well. And then he came to a home show thinking, you know, it was going to be different and it wasn't. And that didn't set wet. Well. <laughs> Got it. My man Rick Kedgey. So what's going on now with, with, with uh, Rick Silver? You got anything going on now that we should, you know, like, what are your plans now? Rick, how old are you, Rick? I'll be 75 in January. Yeah, January, nice. yeah, I think it's January 15th or 14th. How many steps are in my dance? 22nd. 
January 22nd. Yes. Oh, ho, ho, ho. I forgot. So, sure, that's slick. Gee, that's gee. slick. You open 20, the box. You open the box. 22 man. dances, 20, 20 I mean, steps. In the, you open up the invisible box for him? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, G, man. You think he deserves it? Uh, we're going to see in the last uh, two minutes and then we close out. We're going to see. Um, so, what's going on now with Rick Silver? What's going on with you? Uh, Not much of anything, really. Chilling, relaxing. Chilling, relaxing, going to church. On YouTube, singing in choir, comments. Hounding my uh, choir members because we have bells at church, handbells, <laughs> and we have used them, but not in about two years now. And the girl who's in charge of the bell choir. I've been hounding for the last six weeks because Christmas is three weeks away. And she keeps saying, last Sunday, she said, I know, it's three weeks to Christmas. And I said, and I started telling you six weeks ago. <laughs> On the phone you told her this? No, in church every week now. Six weeks. So you need the bells for what, Rick? Just to play. I mean, we have these beautiful bells and I love the sound of a bell choir, and they cost a fortune. And the church has purchased this set of bells, and they just sit there. And we should be playing them, especially at Christmas. Mm -hmm. Your brother passed away recently. Yeah. Bassie told us, man, he said, you know, Rick lost, Rick lost his brother. You know, we all, you know, you've been nice to us. We like, man, I hope everything's all right. How'd you say that? Did that hit you hard? Yeah. Charlie passed away. And it's it's been difficult. Um, my brother bought my grandmother's house. Mm. And my grandmother made him promise that if anything were to happen to he and his wife, that the house would come to me. And in 2007, my brother and his wife drew up their wills. And that Christmas, his wife, Judy, told me that they had done as grandma had wished and put in the will that the house comes to me if anything happens to them. Well, they, she passed away two years ago, and he passed away three weeks ago. And now I'm told that I don't get anything. And I called my cousin on my father's side to see if anybody on that side of the family knew anything of what was going on. And he said to me, did you get the $13,000 that grandpa left to us? And I said, what $13,000? He said, everybody in the Kessler family got $13,000 when grandpa Kessler died. I said, well, my dad did mention to me before he passed that he had put $100,000 into a savings account, that my mom was to live off the interest, and when she passed, I would get 50000 and my brother would get 50000 But I don't get anything, apparently. Wow. I didn't get the 13000 I don't get the 50000 and I don't get the house. Why not, Rick? Why? why? I don't know. It? Rick, come on, Rick. What do you mean you don't know? Nobody is... will tell me. You think because you have sexuality still? 
I think so. What? Damn, G. That's the only thing I can think of. The only thing that I can think of is in my autobiography, I mentioned that the gentleman that we spoke of earlier, my next door neighbor, Ronnie, was the first person that I had sex with. And the second person that I had sex with was my cousin, Barry. And his sister is the executor to my brother's will. So you do know. That's heavy. So I get nothing. Because I'm the little faggot. Oh, Lord. Was, was it consensual? Rick, you and, you and Barry, was it consensual? Yeah. We were 15. So your family read that and they upset. They were upset. Barry was, but how can they change a will? You can't change a will once it's written up. I don't know what happened since my sister-in-law died. Whether my brother changed the will, whether my brother didn't change the will but told Joanne that he didn't want me to get the house so that she's doing something with her lawyer. Because his lawyer, who drew up the will, can't even take it to court because his daughter is now the probate judge. Wait, your niece is the judge? No. The, the lawyer who drew up the will. Oh, his daughter. His daughter is the probate judge. So he can't take the will to court. So Joanne took the will to her lawyer. She won't tell me who her lawyer is. And the probate court is telling me that the will has not been filed as yet, and they have a year or more to file it. So, Rick, what are you what are you going to do? Have you what are you going to do, Rick? I don't know. You can't say you don't know, Rick. You're a man that always know. Did you go to the funeral? You went to Charlie's funeral. There was no funeral. Why not? He didn't want one. Okay. His wife didn't have a funeral, and he didn't have a funeral. Did Charlie have any children? No. No children. Hmm. So it ended with them both, and the house, is, the house is there. The house is sitting there, and when my mom passed, there was a little mantel clock that's brass and a coffee table. And she told my brother, take this to your brother's house. I was there, but I didn't have a car at the time. I didn't drive, so the only way we could get the coffee table to my house was for my brother to bring it. He brought it to his house, and it's still sitting in his house three years later. And I said to my cousin, the clock is sitting in the kitchen on top of the microwave. Can I at least get the clock? No. Your cousin is telling you no? Yeah. This is the one that you said that you had a thing, this guy? This, her, my cousin, Joanne. Oh, Joanne, oh. So is, hold on, wait, wait. Is the executor of the will. And she is taking the will to her lawyer, not telling me who the lawyer is, and telling me that 
there's nothing in the will for me. And the house sits there, and now it's starting to get cold. I don't know if the electricity's been turned off or not. I don't know if the water's been drained out of the pipes or not. I don't know if they've put gas in the heater, oil. So, Joanne, what was your relationship with your cousin Joanne? You had a good relationship with her? No. 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 So you- I haven't seen Joanne in years because... I lived in Manhattan, and she then I went to lived. California and Florida and Providence, and she's lived in the same place her entire life. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And I've stopped by to see them and say hi, but she's very standoffish. She has been for years. She didn't come to the door and say hi. But she saw She said hi to you, right? She says hi, yeah. I mean, she's friendly enough, but um, she doesn't talk to me. <clears throat> well, she, your, your, sorry. your lawyer can't request to see the will. I don't have a lawyer. Oh, right. You, you said you said uh, you, you have a full and the lawyer that drew up the will should know what it says, but he won't talk to me. And. Joanne isn't talking to me, Mm. so I have no clue what's going on. And I call probate court, and they say, well, we can't do anything because the will hasn't been filed yet. So they're telling me I have to call every month. So it's a waiting game. Yeah. Why won't you just go see Joanne and answer? Or they'll they'll get offended by that. Joanne won't even talk to me. I mean, her mom moved and wouldn't even, she wouldn't, Joanne wouldn't even give me her mom's phone number for the new place where she's living. I had to call my aunt, her sister, in North Carolina and say, what is Ruth's phone number? And get the number. And then when I called Ruth to say, hi, how you doing? Do you like your new apartment? The first words out of her mouth were, How'd you get my number? Hmm. Not, hi, Rick, how you doing? What does that do to you, Rick? How does that make you feel? Shitty. That's pretty bad, man. I mean, you seem like a nice guy. You seem like, you know, I got, I got to get energy from you, you, see, you know, so I don't know why the family would still treat you this way after all these years. Yeah, I don't... That's what I don't understand. I really don't understand it. I mean, you lived your life. You, you are who you are. You right. know, like yeah. I don't understand it, Rick. I really don't. It's, it's un- I don't very, either. Very unfortunate. No one wants to help you because it's only you and Charlie. Charlie passed away. His wife passed away. So it's you left. Yep. The house is there. Yep. Which is your, your was your grandmother's house that right. he bought. And my grandmother expressly made it that it would come to me. Even after Charlie bought it or before Charlie bought it? When she sold him the house, the stipulation was, if anything happens to you, the house goes to Rick. I was thinking when my brother passed away, if he did change the will, he's got to face grandma upstairs. Hmm. I'm not looking forward to that. 
How, 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 how was you and his relationship? You said it was good when y'all were younger. He hasn't spoken to me in three years. Why? Since my mother passed away. Hold on, don't, don't do that, Rick. Don't make noise in the mic. Oh. Okay. He hasn't spoken to you in three years? He hasn't talked to me since my mom passed. Why? In fact, when his wife got ill and went into the hospital, he didn't even call me. I didn't get a call until Joanne called me the day she passed. Why, why he didn't speak to you, Rick? You can't say you don't know. Rick, come on, man. Because I'm gay. No. He knew you was gay since you were children. No. He didn't. He's the only one that didn't know I was gay. So what he found out... And he got in fights with kids that he was in school with because he got held back. We started school together and he got held back in fifth grade. And um, the kids that he grew up with all told him that I was a faggot. And he got in numerous fights with his best friends over that fact. And then when he found out that I was gay, it hit him hard. He was hurt. Yeah. So, but he, okay, but you say he didn't speak to you in three years. So that means three years ago, you guys were on talking terms. When my mom was alive, we would get together for Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Easter y'all at his house. Y'all would talk and laugh. And we would talk. But to put us in the same room for longer than 15 minutes was a miracle. If he stayed in his TV room and I was in the rest of the house, everything was fine. But when we got in the dining room to have dinner, would he argue with you? Would they call you? <clears throat> would he call he'd start a fight no matter what I said. If it was black, he'd say it was white. And it was because you were gay. Yeah. Wow, that's sad, man. I don't like that at all. I don't. He was a drunken bigot. But you loved him. Yeah. He was my brother. And <clears throat> I didn't learn until after Judy passed that some of the stuff that was told to me that he did to her, I couldn't believe. But um, a friend of ours, Lois, told me after she passed that he treated her like shit. He would, when she was sick, he drove her to the hospital and dropped her at the front door and went to the bar to wait for her to come out. Damn. Who, let me ask you a question. Who in your family do you get along with? Because obviously, you know, Charlie didn't have any children. You didn't have any children. No. You didn't adopt any either. You didn't have any children. No. So, does any of your family have children where it's like you have any younger cousins or... Nieces, or, nephews. Well, not nieces and nephews because he said... I don't have nieces brother. and nephews. Right, 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 well, right, I have brother, yeah. half nieces and nephews. My dad was married before he met my mom. Okay. And he had a daughter. But um, 
I think it was a knocked up thing. My dad got this girl pregnant. He was in the service. He went off to Nova Scotia. Got it. She dragged his butt back to Stonington to marry her. She had the baby. He went back to Nova Scotia. Three years later, he comes home. She divorces him and makes her family promise that the baby will never have any contact with the father. Then she dies. And the daughter is raised by an aunt. And it's not until I'm 14 and I went to a horse show in Stonington and I came out of the ring and I'm taking the saddle off my horse and I saw my dad go behind the trailer with some young girl who's like six years older than me. And then my mom came looking for her and she says to me, do you know where your dad is? And I'm, uh, uh, uh. Do you know where your father is or not? I said, yeah, he just went behind the trailer with some young girl. She said, that's not some young girl, you idiot. That's your sister. I didn't even know I had a sister. Wow. And so it wasn't until I went to college that I started writing to her, and we sort of connected via writing for a year, and then I would run into her at the Blessing of the Fleet once a year, and we'd go hide behind some building and talk for five minutes, because her aunt and family were over here, and my family was over here, but they didn't know that we were meeting and talking, and nobody could know. And I've stayed that way with my sister for years, and in fact, Recently, I said to her, you know, I don't know anything about my nephews and nieces. I know I have a niece and three nephews, and I know their names, but do they have any kids? <laughs> and they do. And she started rattling off, and I'm like, wait a minute, I can't keep all of this straight now. But, um, yeah, I have a whole family that I don't even know, and... In fact, when her husband passed away, I went to the funeral, which my brother was pissed off that I did, but I said, she's my sister. I should go to the funeral. I'm the oldest in the family. I mean, she's older than me, but still, my dad was passed at that time, and somebody should go, so I went. And her youngest son, who was like 23 at the time, says, what are you showing up for now? Like, I needed money or something. But so, our family life has been very disjointed. My dad um, had a very poor family life because his father came over from the Azores with his mother and he was born just after they landed mm. in New Bedford. And then he went into World War I and never came home. Didn't die, just never came home to his home. He went to New Bedford, but not to his home. He went somewhere else and married somebody else. So the wife and the baby and her parents moved to Stonington 
and built a house on Stonington Point. And then the 38 hurricane came and washed the grandparents away. And she had married Mr. Kessler, and my dad, Louie, was being raised as Louis Kessler. And he went to school and graduated as Louis Kessler. And then he was drafted. And he had to bring his birth certificate. And everybody thought that they had changed the birth certificate to Kessler and all the legal stuff had been done, but apparently nothing had been done. And the draft board took his birth certificate and the doctor who had, the name was supposed to be De Silvia, D-A capital S-Y-L-V-I-A. But the doctor wrote Silva, S-I-L-V-A. But he wrote an open A. And the draft board said, that's an E-R. So we became Jewish overnight. G-G-G. So he was raised, in fact, I have his dog tags on, and his name is Lusitano Silver on his dog tags, Lusitano. He never went by Lusitano. When I knew him, he was always Louis or Louis. <coughs> And my name, middle name is Lewis. So if I had stayed with the Portuguese, my name would have been Ricardo Lusitano de Silvia. Instead, it's Richard Lewis Silver. Got you. Gee, I'm good, man. It's an interesting, interesting story. But in closing, like we said earlier, before we wrap it up, Anyone who wants to move forward, because they're going to watch this episode and, you know, we're going to put the word out there. Anyone who wants to use your dance moves and these shows and movies, contact you first. Right. Give you the credit. All they got to do. That's it. What can they reach you at? They can reach me at nycsdancer at hotmail.com. Oh, you got the hotmail still pop? Oh, I got the hotmail. It's electric. He got the hotmail going. Don't give it He cool. He's not cool. He's cool. But no, G. Because of the hotmail? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't find anything else. Earlier, it was a little too crazy to do that. Oh, so you put this back over here, man. You got a he cool, see? See, we like you, Rick. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so, one more time. Uh, what was it? Rick Silver Hotmail? What was the thing again? The, the New York City Dancer. NYCS Dancer at Hotmail.com. Or The New York City Dancer at, N- at Yahoo because somebody else stole NYCS Dancer at you got, Yahoo. You got Instagram and all that? Instagram and you, you do that stuff? Instagram is um, I try to look for Instagram. at New York City Dancer. That's why you type in Rick. I was trying to look too. Rick Silver. Yeah. Or Facebook is Dancer CT. I don't, okay, so we can't find you on the Rick Silver. If you go to Google and type in Rick Silver, <laughs> R I C, it comes up all over the place. 
That's a fact. Your name come up, but I was looking for your Instagram in the beginning. You gotta get a TikTok, man. <clears throat> you you gonna be dancing? I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> you still dance now? I do on occasion. Alright, making sure. Just just checking. Just checking. Hold on. So your Instagram is NYCS Dancer. NYCS Dancer. Let me see. Merrick. It didn't, it didn't come up, Rick. Hold on. NYCS. I don't know, Rick. I don't know. Why do you put the S? Because it's silver? Because it's New York City's dancer. N-Y-C-S-D-A-N-C-E-R. Right. No, Rick. Didn't pop up. No? Instagram. People were asking me, what's your Instagram? I said, I don't know. I never used that, so I... Oh, they probably deleted it then. No, it's... I'm there. I just don't know whether whether I'm under Rick Silver or New York City Dancer, but it should be under New York City Dancer. I look my man Rick right here when he was younger. That's why you, uh, smooth operator, <laughs> my boy. <laughs> oh yeah, Rick, you was wild as a you was what? That was when I was doing the electric slide. That's and that picture on the the first one you see there, the headshot. I'm 27 in that picture. All right, Rick, man. We appreciate, you know. Yeah, this is a dope episode. Dope episode, man. Look at that, G. Run and pull one time. My man, Rick Silver, man. Come on, Thank man. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Wonderful story. When I met Rick, I told Rick, I'm going to interview you. He said, okay. Sign. <laughs> and then we, you know, we He's interviewed him. Yeah, Rick. Dope Thank story, you. man. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Dope story. You know, hopefully, um, when people watch this, you know, I think that, they need to tell a story about Rick Silver. So, yeah. very interesting story. Make sure I follow the pages, man. At DJG Money Official, at Queen Flip with a Z, at Flip the Script Pod on Instagram and TikTok. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna be uh, loading up on the pages. I'm trying to catch up to the episodes. I'm a little slow, but we're going because I'm on episode 21 now on TikTok or 22, I think. So, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? You done? Yeah. You've been working hard. Appreciate you. Appreciate everybody that's in the building. That's a fact. Um, dope episode. Shout out to my man Rick. Rick in the building. And um, we appreciate everybody that's here, that's tuning in. Remember to lock your doors, close your windows, close your blinds, open your blinds. And if you see Rick on your lawn, no, put it away. He doesn't mean any harm. But if you let him in, he has stories to tell you all night long. I'm from Queens. <laughs> and I'm sick. Hold on, I'm not done. I'm not done. You know, stop, stop pressing pause. Because sometimes I wanted to stop you in your track, Bassy. He be stopping it. It's not done till the fat man sings or stands up. Or dances. Or dances. <laughs> Shout out to Bassy in the building. You have a problem with your, with your hat? You Okay. Yeah. How you feel today? How do you feel today? I feel sick. How do you feel? I don't feel that good. You feel good? Feel well, we're not on the same page. Is it? <laughs> Later, y'all. <laughs>